0: everybody, we are here. Welcome to New Hope Radio. Buckle up. We're going to talk about the magic of music. You say the magic magic of music. What? Are you? Music can be magical. Yes, it can. We're in a series. It's, it's about the life of David, but you know what we're learning? That our lives can parallel David's life. In many ways, yes, I can. Many of the things that he went through, not that we go through the same ones literally, but there is a comparable influence that his life has to our life. We're going to see that in this whole series. Because the first two messages we've already seen, number one, God uses the world around us teach us things, right? So there it is. The whole world is a classroom. Don't forget it. And as we saw last time, God always has a plan. He knows what he's going to do. Whether it's David's life or your life or my life, God knows what he's going to do. So this leads us to episode three in the life of David. Like I said, the magic of music. All right, now, don't let the word magic scare you, okay? Oh, he used the word magic. Listen, I don't mean it in a sense of the occult. But actually, I mean it in the realm of fascination. Um, you know, a magician fascinates people with the things that he does. That's the, that's the entertainment value of what he does. It's fascination. Now, a word study has shown me that number one, fascination leads to charm. Secondly, charm leads to grace. Thirdly, grace leads to ease. And this is what music does. Oh, it does it for the soul. Music eases the soul. And we're going to see how that worked today. Oh, yes, we are. Now, let's talk a little bit about the origin of music. Where did music come from? When did it start? Well, the biblical account tells us that music began in Genesis chapter 4. The sixth generation of Cain bore two brothers. One was named Jabal. He lived in tents and he raised livestock. The other one was named Jubal. He lived in a nightclub and played instruments. (laughs) Not actually, no. But he was the father of those who played the lyre and the pipe. String and wind instruments according to Genesis 4.21. Now, one writer said, Cain's descendants distinguished themselves by their inventive genius in the arts. Hmm. It's interesting that the line of Cain was responsible for musical instruments. A line which had, oh, here it comes, the seeds of the world, as we know it in contrast to God. Right? Cain was contrary to God. He killed his brother. And he rebelled against God. And his seed kind of went the way of the world. But yet... It's not a denunciation of musical instruments, just because they came from the line of Cain, but to show that God has given talents to all people, even those who do not walk with him. And if people use it for bluegrass, that's between them and God. That's all I can say. (laughs) But let me ask you, does God love music? Well, right in the middle of our Bibles, you know what we have? 150 songs. They're called Psalms. More than half of them have been written by David. It's as if if God was saying, Sing them, and sing them often, and learn them well. These are my songs, and they are the songs of God. After David had been anointed king, Saul had taken a turn for the worse. Remember now, he wasn't king yet. He's still a teenager, but he was anointed to be the future king. And Saul took a worse... Took a turn for the worse, personally and uh oh, spiritually. So we pick it up in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 14. And it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Oh. See, Saul was a king, so he was endued with the Holy Spirit to lead the people. And by the way, this is not something a New Testament believer needs to fear. Jesus said he'd always be with us, but in the Old Testament things are different. So it says, an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants, verse 15, then said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit of God is terrorizing you. I say, very observant. <laughs> oh, you guys are shop? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> now, we see something like this mentioned in two other places, you know, in Judges sixteen, nineteen, Samson. When they cut his hair, he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. Again, he was a judge. He had the endowment of the Spirit, but the Spirit left. In Psalm 51.11, David said after his sin with Bathsheba, he said, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, so there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the endowment. In the Old Testament, the endowment of the Spirit is when he came upon a believer. And it was like a temporary enabling. The endowment of the Spirit was not only for the judges and the kings, but for the workers of the tabernacle and the temple, the craftsmen, the metal workers and the woodworkers and people that worked with fabric. They, they were empowered by the Spirit to do beautiful work. But then when the job was finished, or they sinned, the Spirit left. But it's not so today. Today we have what is called the indwelling of the Spirit, where the the Holy Spirit is now inside the believer. And that's why Paul would say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So, if the Spirit could leave us, he wouldn't be grieved, would he? But he's. We, our, our soul is sealed by the indwelling spirit, and we belong to God. So that means that you're mocked out as belonging to God. God approves of you. Why? Because Christ is in you. Now, here's the problem with Saul. He didn't take two things seriously. Number one, he didn't take his role as king seriously. And number two, He didn't take his God as his authority either. That's a bad mix. We have to remember our God is a jealous God. Not because he's insecure, but because of the great love that he has for us. That's why. He really wants a relationship with us more than we can even know. As much as we think God wants to have a relationship with us, it's even more than that. It really is. Just keep looking at the cross. Study the cross. Look at Jesus. Look at his agony. That's how much God wants a relationship with us. So this evil spirit that fell upon Saul, it caused him depression, melancholy, melancholy, sorry, fits of insanity, wild imagination leading to rage, and, you know, these things can happen when one person turns away from God. That's how dangerous it is to turn from God. You're either filled with peace or you're filled with something else. I don't know about you, but I like to be filled with peace. Now, Isaiah made an observation. And you know what he said? Talking to God. And he said, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. See, Isaiah knew that, that God keeps people at peace when their heart trusts in him. That's, That's how you get peace in your life. You look to God. You know, there are benefits of trusting in the Lord. I'm going to give you a few. There are some benefits. And maybe you want to write these verses down. Psalm one fifteen, verse eleven. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Wow! You fear the Lord, you trust the Lord. He becomes your help, and your shield, your protector. Psalm thirty two sixteen. He who trusts in the Lord. Loving kindness shall surround him. Wow. Loving kindness. Did I say 32.16, 10 32, Loving kindness shall surround him. He who gives attention to the word shall find good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Psalm 16.20. See what the word does? The word increases our faith. And our faith increases our reliance on God, knowing that God will be there for us. And like we said last time, knowing that He always has a plan. And though we might find ourselves in a place in life, maybe even today, where you don't know what's the next step, you don't know what's going to happen, God has a plan. He does. So, again, I can rely on him because I'm in his word. And his word builds my faith. That's it. Words on a page. They build my faith and help me to trust in him even more. So, Saul's malady, here's what happened. It was so severe, even those around him realized he needed help. And you know they understood? What I'm talking about today. They understood the magic of music. Verse 16. Here's what they said to the king. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. I love the way they talked in those days. (laughs) Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you, and let them seek a man who is skillful. He's a skillful player on the harp. And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you, that he shall play the harp with his hand, and you will be well. Oh, these people understood music can soothe the soul. Okay? So, Saul said to his servants, Provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Now, think about it. Look at our human history. Music has always played a part and the heritage of people all over the ancient and even the modern world. Like, we've got music for everything, right? It was used in a triumphal march after a battle. The soldiers would come home, and they were victorious in battle, and they would. the band would be playing, and they'd be marching in the city. They would play music at feasts and festivals. Even times of grieving, there would be music. And times of gladness. There was music at weddings. Even the ancient harlots used seductive music in their trade. And you know what the shepherd boys did? They played their little flutes while watching the sheep. Music eases the mind and enhances the mood. And you know yourself, if you're in a happy mood, you like to play happy music, right? And if you're in a sad mood... You like to play sad music. You say, well, why would anybody want to play sad music? Because it soothes the soul. See, music meets you where you are. There's different types of music for different emotions. And the magic of music soothes the soul. And some like to sing the blues when they're not feeling that good. And then there are some that are singing happy music. And some like reggae, reggae, when they're getting high, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So perhaps there's a certain type of music that you listen to, depending on the mood that you were in. Right? I know for me, if I'm not feeling that good, I don't want happy music. I'm like, shut up. Up I like sad music. I like mellow music, because that's where I am. And then if I'm in a good mood, like, yeah, man, let's rock out. Right? Raise the volume. Music does stir up the emotions, right? Remember Rocky? Remember Rocky running up the stairs? Man, after you saw that, you wanted to go out and run up the stairs, right? I know I did. I can do that. I want to go run up those stairs. That Rocky music is inspiring. Remember I, the Tiger? I, the Tiger with uh, Mr. T working out. And I, the Tiger, they'll play that at football games. Why it gets people going? It's good workout music. You know when you when when people go to the gym and they listen to music, they don't listen to Lawrence Welk. They listen to ACDC. They listen to music that gets them going. You know that's what, that's what they do because it pumps you up. Music has a has a way of of taking our emotions to another level. Now, God never runs out of creative ways to carry out his plans. And he knows, (laughs) see, again, Saul doesn't know what's going on. David doesn't know what's going on. God knows what's going on. So one of the young men said, Oh, behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Oh, he's a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. Now you would think, why all these... Other qualities are being mentioned. Saul just wants a musician. Because when he's a man of valor, a warrior, he's a good speaker, and he's good-looking, that graces the king's court. That's what it does. It graces the king's court. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar abducted the the Hebrew boys and brought them to Babylon? He didn't take everybody. He looked for those that looked intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) He looked for those who didn't wear their pants halfway down their legs. He looked for people that had looked like they had promise and they could be taught. That's who he looked for. Now, good character travels, right? They probably saw David out there in the field playing his flute for the sheep or his harp. So good character travels, and so does bad character. When somebody's got a bad reputation, people know. When somebody's got a good reputation, people know. I want you to notice David's credentials. Skillful musician, brave, speaks well, fine-looking, and the Lord is with him. You know what Proverbs 22.29 says, and this is a good verse to really tuck into your heart. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Now, that happened to David. He was skilled in his work, and he was brought before the king. What about you? And me? Well, whatever you do, get good at it. Become accomplished. God will promote you. See, I don't think it matters what we do, but what matters is, do we do it well? Do you put your whole heart and soul into what you do? Whether you sweep a floor, drive a truck, or program computers, do you put your whole heart into it? That's what matters. My attitude toward what I do. And you'll stand before kings. Oh, yes, you will. So we can make a personal application. I like this part. We can make a personal application of what we've seen so far. Never count anything or never discount anything in your past that you've done. Whatever you've done in your past is still an important part of who you are. There are things that you've learned in the world, even before you were saved. And God will allow you to bring them into the service of His kingdom. Right? Don't think, oh, whatever talents I had before I was saved, they're no good. Oh, yes, they are. They're all part of your grooming. And maybe before you were saved, you were a musician or a songwriter, hey, now you do it for God. Maybe you had carpentry skills, or administrative abilities, or you were skilled in the arts and drama before salvation, now you can do it for God. What if you had domestic abilities, you're a good cleaner, you can do it for God, you can clean the house of God. Cooking. Investing, technology. You see, everything that we've had and learned before salvation can still be brought into our Christian life. I, I mean, I'm not talking about the sinful things like Robin Banks. No. <laughs> I'm talking about the productive things that we learn to do. And you can bring them into the kingdom of God. That's what happened with David. David was a guy. He was, he learned his instrument. He he was he he fought a bear, and a lion, before he was in the service of God, and God used those talents that he brought him to the giant. And he beat up that old giant too, so nothing you've learned in your past is insignificant. In the kingdom of God, now because David was skilled in his work, he he received a promotion he, he never expected. I don't think he ever expected that he would serve in the king's court. So what happened? Saul sent messengers to Jesse, and he said, Send me your son who's with the flock. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and sent them to Saul by David, his son. So he even sent him some food. Then David came to Saul. Because you don't go to the king empty-handed. That's the thing. You don't go to the king empty-handed. Not that the king needs food, but it's respectful to go to the king with something. And I want to take that and translate it into church today. You know, when you go to church to hear from God, don't go empty-handed. That's why you bring an offering. You bring an offering to God to honor Him, to reverence Him, to respect Him, because that's the way it's always been. From the beginning of time, you bring an offering to the authority that's above you. If it's a king, you bring it to the king. If it's God, you bring it to God. So David came to Saul and attended him. And you know what happened? Saul loved him greatly. Now, Saul doesn't know David's anointed the next king. He doesn't know that yet. So he loved David, and he became his armor bearer. And David did his job well. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David now stand before me. He's found favor in my sight. So it came about, get this now, whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand. And Saul would be refreshed and be well. And the evil spirit would depart from him. See. The power of music. That's why, you know what I like? I like worship music. That's what I listen to. I'm not a fan of contemporary Christian music. I mean, it's all right. I think it's shallow. But I like worship music. Yeah, contemporary worship music. Worship that's about God, for God, and to God. That's that's the music that stimulates me, and it draws me closer to God. And you know, David didn't complain about the menial work that he was given to do. You know, I mean, did he? Did he live in king's court, uh, the king's court, or did he go back and forth between the sheep and the king? Whichever one it was, he never complained. So finally, let me talk about music and God, because way way back, the first book ever written in the Bible, it was the book of Job, and in Job 38. It tells us that the angels sang at the creation. So when God made everything, the angels struck up a song. That's pretty cool. Then the last book of the Bible, Revelation 15, verse 2, the angels were holding the harps of God. Isn't that interesting? And you know Lucifer, you know what his job was before he rebelled? He was in charge of the worship in heaven. Isaiah 14, 11 states, after his rebellion against God, it says, Your pomp and the music of your harps have been brought down to Sheol. So it's believed that Lucifer was like the worship leader of heaven. And um, just 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 got full of himself. Got to be careful. You got to be careful when you get full of yourself, because that's when you fall. Then the Apostle Paul, he he chimed in, and he quotes Psalm 18. He said, I will give praise to you, God, among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Where did he say that? Romans 15, 9. See, Old Testament, New Testament, and today. Singing does not go out of date. So between eternity past and eternity future, we sing to God in worship. That's what we do. And what is where genuine worship is the blending of the Word of God and the music of God. The longest book in the Bible is a song, Psalm 119. The music we sing is to make us conscious of God and to raise our level of awareness to His Word. Chuck Swindoll once said, The Spirit-filled saint is a song-filled So when you're standing in church and the the worship team is singing their hearts out and praising God, you need to participate. You don't have to be a good singer, just sing softly. (laughs) I'll go sit in the back. (laughs) But you need to sing. Why? God is worthy. See, worship is for our benefit and for His praise. That's what worship's for. We benefit. Oh, yes. It prepares our heart. And it gives God the honor that he's due. And like we've been saying all along, it's a mood enhancer. It really is. It'll elevate your mood, especially when it's music. That draws you close to God. And, you know, you don't have to be musically inclined to play music. Matter of fact, if if you're not musically inclined, you can play bluegrass. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) I know we have bluegrass fans in our audience, and we love them all. It's good music. You know, if I lived in Louisiana, I'd probably love it too. And I know God loves it, because there's some good Christian bluegrass out there, too. Oh, yeah. So that's the story. Listen, next time we're together, how to face the giants. Oh, yeah. Got any giants in your life? Yeah. One thing about a giant, it's got a big mouth, loud. You know why? The intimidation factor. That's why. Well, you don't let intimidation bother you. And we'll see that tomorrow, right here on New Hope Radio.